Um, the scene there on the outskirts of Jericho of blind and begging Bartimaeus. Here is a man with nothing. A man in abject poverty, no money, no sight, no friends. He's been outcast to the far reaches of the city. In fact, he's, he's probably been sent out of the city, out of the walls of Jericho. He is without a hope in the world except perhaps the random mercy of a stranger coming to or from Jericho. In fact, even Bartimaeus' blindness would have gotten him little compassion in his day. Surely this was his fault, the thought went, or perhaps his parents, one of them, but somebody must have been a great sinner for Bartimaeus to receive this fate. Nevertheless, it is this poor, blind beggar sitting outside the gates of Jericho that Mark's gospel presents to us as the paradigmatic disciple of Jesus Christ. Bartimaeus is disciple exemplar. He is the one who gets it. No one else has really gotten it, right? The rich young ruler, perhaps in every way the opposite of Bartimaeus. He's rich. He has friends. He has everything he needs. He walks away from Jesus with his head hung low. The Jewish leaders, they don't even give Jesus a second thought other than to say, we need to put this man to death. And even the disciples, they're too busy arguing about who is the greatest, who will sit at Jesus' right hand, who will sit at his left hand. While everyone else in this story is bumbling about, blind to Jesus' identity and, and blind to his mission, everyone is bumbling about except this poor, blind beggar. He's the one who can actually see and see clearly with eyes of faith who Jesus is. And not only that, he has the wherewithal, once he's healed, to follow Jesus to Jerusalem, to a cross. And in doing so, he becomes the example of discipleship in Mark's gospel. I invite you to open your Bibles. We are in Mark chapter 10, uh, verses 46 to 52. Uh, hopefully you have a Bible either with you um, physically or maybe it's on your phone. But, but, but please follow along. This is a, a great passage, a very important one. And we're going to take a look about Bartimaeus and his faith. What is it about his faith that might characterize the life of a disciple? What is it about Bartimaeus' faith? And we're actually um, going to take a, a, a playbook, a, a page out of the Seven Habits, Habits for Highly Successful People, um, which maybe, anyway, that's an aside. We're going to start, we're going to begin with the end in mind, is what I'm trying to say. We're going to start at the end. Verse 51, Bartimaeus has been called by Jesus, and he comes up to him, and Jesus says to him, 
what do you want me to do for you? Interestingly, this is a quick aside, that's the same question he asked James and John, right? They said, Jesus, we want you to do something for us. Will you do it? He's like, well, what do you want? What do you want me to do for you? And they say, okay, this is a great idea. Make me sit at your right hand and John over here can sit at your left hand in the kingdom. Give us power. Give us honor. Make us great. Jesus asked Bartimaeus the same question. What do you want me to do for you? The blind man, very humbly, the blind man says to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Go your way. Go your way, Bartimaeus. Go on your way. You're, You're well. You can see your faith has made you well. Go on your way. And immediately, Bartimaeus recovered his sight and followed Jesus on the way. Do you see that? Jesus says, go your way, and Bartimaeus goes on the way. The way to Jerusalem. It was a long, dusty, uphill road from Jericho to Jerusalem. And Bartimaeus follows Jesus. The next passage is the beginning of Jesus' Passion Week. It's his cleansing of the temple and his, his triumphal entry. That's where Bartimaeus is following Jesus. He's following him to Maundy Thursday. He's following him to Good Friday. He's taking up his cross. That's what Bartimaeus is doing. He has a a faith. What is it about his faith? Well, it's an obedient faith. He's obedient to Jesus. And I don't know about you, but that's pretty convicting. If if I come to Jesus and, and sometimes he offers me healing or grace or mercy, my first temptation is to say, thanks, Jesus, I'm out of here. I got things to do. I got people to see, fish to catch, right? Thanks, Jesus, but not Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus follows him. It's convicting. How is this man's faith leading to such obedience? What is it about his faith? Well, there's two things I want us to consider about Bartimaeus. And we're going to back up to verse 46. Two things about his faith. He, he has a perceptive faith and he has a desperate faith. And these things lead him to an obedient faith. So look at verses 46 to 47. They came to Jericho, Jesus and his disciples. They came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. This is any other day for Bartimaeus, right? He's sitting there outside the gate in his usual spot. And what is he perceiving? The occasional coin dinging in his cup, right? He's perceiving the the sounds of people coming and going. I think perhaps more often than not, He's perceiving that silent passerby, the one who sees him and is embarrassed and shamed and convicted, and he crosses to the other side, right? And he tiptoes by so as not to be seen or approached. Bartimaeus knows this is his life. He knows he's being passed by. He knows he's being ignored. And then Jesus came by. Jesus came by. 
Now, of course, Bartimaeus cannot see him, but he could perceive. He has a perceptive faith. He perceived that this was no ordinary traveler, but this is the one he had heard about. Yes, Bartimaeus must have heard about Jesus. How does he know to cry out to him in such a way? He had heard about this man traveling and making waves throughout Judea. He had heard about this man healing the lame, upsetting the Jewish leaders in authority, proclaiming the kingdom of God. Bartimaeus had no doubt heard about Jesus of Nazareth. And now he knew, he perceived that Jesus was in his presence. He has a perceptive faith. And that begs the question of us, doesn't it? How many times, how many times has Jesus stood in our midst and we have failed to perceive him? How many times has Jesus reached out to us and offered mercy and grace and salvation and we have failed to perceive it? Too often, friends, we are content to sit in our poverty, to sit here in our blindness. We're too often content to bemoan our trials, to to beg for help here and there, but, but failing, we fail to perceive the only one who has anything to offer to our plight. Too often we lack a perceptive faith. How many Sundays have you sat in this building, mired in your guilt and shame over a hidden sin, and failed to see Jesus? How many Sundays have you sat in these chairs despondent over a failing marriage or a wayward child and failed to perceive Jesus? How many Sundays have you been in this church mourning a life bereft with illness, mourning a world consumed by evil? How many Sundays have we been here and yet still failed to perceive the Son of David in our midst, failed to cry out to Him in faith. How many Sundays have we come here and heard the gospel and failed to turn to Jesus? Instead, we walk out those doors and we turn our lives back to other idols other distractions. Turn to alcohol or lust, right? Turn to our work or our money or our status. We fail to perceive Jesus. We turn to idols that have neither the means nor the desire to make us well. How many times? And yet you have Bartimaeus, blind beggar that he was. He had the faith of perception. He knew Jesus was in his midst. Brings us to our second point. In Bartimaeus, we see a faith of desperation. It's a faith of desperation. Let's go back to verse 47, and we'll we'll take it up to verse 49. 
When Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and to say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart. Get up. Jesus is calling you. Jesus is calling you. So Bartimaeus has perceived that Jesus was near. He's he's recognized who this was, Jesus, son of David. And now he's calling out to him in desperation. Son of David, have mercy on me. Perhaps Bartimaeus has recognized that the moment he was waiting for has finally arrived That Jesus, long discussed and yet never seen among the beggars of Jericho, has finally come. And he has arrived no less, and he is on the way out of town. Is this Bartimaeus' last chance? The only chance? And so he cries out to Jesus in desperation. He pursues Jesus like a man who knows that Jesus is his only hope. Son of David, have mercy on me. Get out of the way, beggar. Son of David, have mercy on me. Blind man, out of the way. Son of David, come to me. Come. He's calling you. It is a cry of desperation. And Jesus responds. In his mercy, Jesus calls Bartimaeus over. In his love, he hears his desperate pleas. Does Jesus not bid us to do the same? Does he not ask us to do the same? I think perhaps our problem is we don't actually feel very desperate. I don't think we get it. I don't think we totally realize it. And I'm counting myself among you. It's it's easy in this your community that we live in, um, and, and in, in most of North American communities, to not feel desperate. But we have a desperate plight. Do we cry out to Jesus with the same desperation of Bartimaeus? Do our prayers, are our prayers inhabited with desperation, desperate people, desperate for mercy? I don't know about you, but when I pray, it's, it's not always quite like that. I like to get up at 5 a.m. Um, I say my prayers. Just, just so you know, it doesn't make me a better Christian because I'm getting up earlier than you. Um, I just need to beat my children. Sometimes I win, sometimes I lose. But 5 a.m. is the goal. Get up, make sure my desk is cleared off. My Bible, maybe my prayer book, if I'm feeling especially you know, motivated that day. There's one thing I need for prayer more than anything else at 5 a.m. It's a cup of coffee. And once I'm all set up and ready and sufficiently awake, then I'm ready to pray. And maybe I'll even get an old prayer book and use some eloquent 16th century prayers written by Thomas Cranmer. And it's a fine way to start the day, but it's not a prayer of desperation. It's not the prayers of a desperate sinner facing a desperate fate reaching out to a merciful God. 
Spurgeon writes about desperate prayer. Open thy mouth in prayer, he says, and Jesus shall open thine eyes to see. So shall you find joy and gladness. Mark you, when a man has faith in the soul and earnestness combined with it, he will pray indeed. Call you not those things prayers that you hear read in churches. Imagine not that those orations are prayers that you hear in our prayer meetings. Prayer is something nobler than these. This is prayer. When the poor soul in some weighty trouble, fainting in a thirst, lifts up his streaming eyes and wrings his hands and beats his bosom and cries out, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Your cold orations will never reach the throne of God. It is the burning lava of the soul that has a fiery furnace within, a very volcano of grief and sorrow. It is that burning lava of prayer that finds its way to God. It's a prayer desperate men and desperate women to a merciful God. It's the prayer of people who realize their plight, that we are stuck in a world of sin. We're mired in shame. We live in a world where death and evil seem to reign, and we cry out to God in desperation, Son of David, have mercy on us. Do we perceive Jesus in our midst? Are we desperate for his mercy? Because I'm telling you, when you perceive Jesus, when you realize your desperation, and when he meets you in the midst of that, you will long with joy to follow him. 